You're listening to the City Hope Church podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope this can inspire you and build your faith. Enjoy the message. Good morning. How are we doing this morning, church? You doing good? Yeah. So good to see you. Welcome to church, everybody. Um, If I haven't got the chance to meet you, my name's Noah, and I'm the lead pastor here at City Hope. We're so glad that you spent part of your weekend with us, and what a great weekend uh, to spend with us. We've got lots of stuff going on. As uh, Tyler and Courtney said, we're launching a brand new group semester this week, so great time to get jumped into a group, and and it's summer at City Hope, so we're doing all kinds of fun things. Uh, You saw some games and different things outside, and uh, man, so much going on, but one thing uh, before I, before I, I guess before I get into that, I do need to welcome all of those who are joining us online. Uh, we're happy to have you if you're on Facebook, on YouTube, uh, listening to this podcast later on, or um, even on the City Hope Church app. We are so excited. You're part of our church family. You need to know that. Church, would you put your hands together and welcome those who are online this morning? And as I was saying, there's a lot going on around here. Um, we're also, we're working on the building a little bit as well. And so maybe you saw the uh, little construction project going on in the kids' room. There is a lot going on, and it's going, it's, it's actually going quick. It's going very quick, and uh, we're super excited about that. And so I wanted to first say, you know, just work with us as we work on, on the building. But I think next week, actually, uh, most of those kids' rooms are going to be put all back together, and I can't wait for you to see um, what we're doing in there and so much stuff going on. So, but pardon our progress and the, while we're in the middle of it, you may have been scared when you walked in there. And so uh, it, it, it's all right, but uh, everything is safe and good. It just looks kind of ugly right now. And so uh, <laughs> that's where we're at with it. But lots of great things happening um, around here in the church world. One thing that I do want to mention, two, th- two things I want to mention. One is summer blast for your kids. We're just two short weeks away from our, our version of VBS that we call summer blast. And I'd love for you, uh, for you to sign up your children. Uh, that's for pre-K through fifth grade. It's going to be a great time. That's June the uh, 14th through the 16th. And uh, every night, they're going to experience Jesus right here in this room. They're taking over the whole building. It's going to be awesome. And so we'd love for you to join us for that, as well as if you'd like to volunteer. Um, my wife, Emily, is working on, uh, on some, putting some volunteer meetings together. So if you'd like to volunteer, sign up today so that she can get you in the rotation uh, to let you know. Um, where you will be serving. And so do that. And then I do want to mention, we have, uh, we have this thing, First Wednesday, you saw in the announcements, First Wednesday and YSKO, it's all packed into this Wednesday night. And so this Wednesday night, um, our, our youth group is joining us for a special First Wednesday service. And then afterwards, they're having a huge after party in the parking lot. And so if you know kids 6th through 12th grade, it is going to be a blast. We have uh, the we have ordered the wipe-out big red balls to be here. I don't know if you've ever seen that before, but it is going... So some of you might just want to stick around just for the entertainment to watch the kids try to cross these things. It's pretty awesome. And so it's taking over the whole parking lot. So a couple notes for you. When you come on Wednesday, don't park in this parking lot over here because it's going to be full of games. Park, we're going to have to figure out how to park all of you on this side of the building. Um, but it is going to be a blast. And so invite your 6th through 12th graders. We've got, uh, we've got things going on in the service specifically for, for them. We're going to be celebrating our graduates. We're going to be celebrating some kids who are moving up into youth group. Um, and there's special also elements for just your students. Pastor Tyler is going to be bringing a word about 
wrestling or something. I don't know. He's going to wrestle somebody on stage. And so just get ready for it. It's going to be, <laughs> I don't know if that's what you're doing, but okay. All right. That's what you're doing. So good deal. And, uh, so anyway, it's, it's bound to be a very entertaining night. And so join us for that. And uh, especially your students, we'd love to see your students here as we kind of kick off the summer uh, with, with your students. All right. That's the updates that I have for you. Uh, today, we are, we're, we're in a series that we've just called Summer at City Hope. And we're not studying anything in particular. Uh, each week, we're just, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you some messages that the Lord has just laid on my heart. And I use the summer to do this because there are sometimes, I, I, I love to teach and I love to teach in a series. Um, but there are sometimes there's topics that just don't fall into that category or in that series. And so I use this summer to really talk about some topics that maybe we wouldn't, uh, that maybe don't fall into that series category that I don't get to touch on. And today, is one of those, um, and today I am going to talk to you actually about one of the Beatitudes of Jesus, um, and as we talk about one of these Beatitudes, there's, there's many Beatitudes uh, that he talks about, um, but I want to I give you one that really stood out to me, one that is, I, I'll just say, is personally speaking to me. It's, this is something, this is a message that's personally challenging me, and I think if it challenges me, I hope that it can challenge you in the same way. And so I want to start, we're going to be, if you've got your Bibles, uh, what we're, the passage that we're studying is Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, that starts by just saying, these Beatitudes start by Jesus saying, blessed. And you need to understand what this word blessed means. Blessed is markarios in the Greek, which just simply means that when it's, it's not just, when we think of blessing, we think of maybe like financial blessing. This word blessed means happy. And really what it means is the, the best translation for this word blessed in the Greek is utter fulfillment. So think about this. Jesus says you will be utterly fulfilled. I mean, like, think, like you, will, you will be so happy. You'll be so filled with joy. You'll be so fulfilled. Fulfilled are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. He says, Jesus says, blessed are those who have this craving for righteousness, and that's what I want us, us to study today. But really, what the Lord laid on my heart and showed me, it really directed me to this one word, this little word, filled. I don't know. The Holy Spirit just drew me to that word, filled, this week. And filled can be translated in many different ways, but the best translation I think you can find for this word, filled, is just the word, satisfied. And Jesus says, so if we would say it like this, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be truly satisfied. And so I don't know about you, but I, there are areas in my life that I just don't have satisfaction in. Like I'm just, I'm searching to be satisfied. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. In fact, I brought you the beautiful thing about the, the world that we live in today is now we have, we, we not only have the King James version of the Bible, but we have so many different versions of the Bible. And it gives us an opportunity to look at some different, different things. And so I want to bring you this very same scripture and a different verse that says, happy are those in the living Bible. It says, happy are those who long to be just and good, for they shall be completely satisfied. Uh, in this next version, look at what this says. Those who want to do right more than anything else are happy because God will fully satisfy them. And so today I'm dedicating this message to every person in this room who maybe feels like me sometimes. And you say, Pastor Noah, sometimes I just don't feel, truly feel satisfied. Like I'm missing, I'm just something, I just feel like something's missing. You're pursuing life. You're, you're doing a lot of things, but every time you just feel like you've just come up empty. You feel like it, it, life has just, just, just left you empty. And, 
And Jesus uses this, these words, this metaphor. He says, he, he talks about hunger and thirst, to hunger and thirst. I think it's a great metaphor that Jesus uses. I personally think it's great because I am a foodie, everyone. Like, I love, I love my food, as you can probably tell. I love, I love food, and uh, I, I, I just do. I, I like good food. And so, yeah, I, I say it like this. I think you could always trust a guy who has a little belly, you know? And so, like, you just, something, you, you just, you trust him. Think about it. Like, just just got that trust with somebody. And I, I don't, but I don't know if you've ever been hungry for something. And maybe you, <laughs> here's what happens to me. Sometimes I get hungry and then I'm not sure what I'm hungry for. And so I don't know if you, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I just like, sometimes in the middle of the night, I'll just go, go to the fridge, you know, open the, open the fridge up and, you know, you just stand there and just like, you know, just like all the cold air is just coming out. You're just looking, you know, you know what I mean? And like, you got options. Like there's lots of options in the fridge. You are like, what, what am I going to do? But Nothing sounds good. You ever, you ever, you ever do that? Yeah, like <laughs> there's all this stuff, but it doesn't sound good. Or maybe it's like you go to the Cheesecake Factory. How many of you have been to the Cheesecake Factory? That 80-page menu will make you like you don't you don't want to. If <laughs> I can't make I, I don't I can't make decisions very well. And when you give me hundreds of options, how am I supposed to make it? It all. But but then at the Cheesecake Factory, I don't know, I don't know if you ever experienced this. Like it all looks good but none of it looks good at the same time. You know what I mean? Like, like it's just, hey, I don't know what it is, but you, it's just, it, it, makes, it, it makes it hard to decide. It's, it's hard to decide when you have all those options. And honestly, I was thinking about that this week. And you know, isn't that just a perfect picture of life? Like our life, we have all these options. We have an 80-page menu of life in directions and places that we can go. And it, it all looks good, and none of it looks good at the same time. Like, all at the same time. And I thought of, as I was thinking about this idea of hunger and thirst and, and this idea of not feeling the satisfaction in life, I, I thought of a song. It's, it's an old song by U2, uh, and uh, Bono sings it. And I, I'm actually, I'm going to name, you ready for this? I'm going to name my message the title of U2's track, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. And I thought, I, I, I played that song this week in the office a couple times because I was just, I was thinking about, I, I, I mean, it, first of all, I think it's a great song. But it's, <laughs> second, it's probably not that great of a song, but I, I, it's, it's great. Uh, <laughs> but I was thinking about this idea that this guy, that, that, I, that Bono, he sings this song, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And I looked up the band because I was like, you know what, they're a very popular band. How in the world would he say that I still haven't found, with all the popularity, with all the success, with everything that they have, how could they not have found what they're looking for? I looked up the band, U2, is, uh, their net worth is $1.8 billion today. Bono alone is worth $700 million. And so I think he has some authority to say, hey, I've found it. But he never did. He still hasn't found what he's looking for. And, and, and I, don't, I don't know about you, but it, it just it speaks to me. Because we're always looking for something. We're always looking for the next thing. We're always on this pursuit of satisfaction. And God says, Jesus says, I've got a solution for you. In fact, I've got a meal for you. That when you, when you eat this meal, when you have this meal, when you partake in this, you'll actually never want to eat again. And so I want to show you what that is. 
And so I want you to lean in today. Those of you who maybe say, man, I'm not totally satisfied with where I am in life. I, I, don't, I, don't, love, I don't love what's going on. I've been pursuing some things, but I've come up empty. For those of you who say that, I, I want you to really lean into this message. I think, I think the Lord has something to speak to you today. And when I was thinking about this idea of, of not being satisfied, I automatically thought of one of, the, one of the greatest Bible characters in the Old Testament by the name of Solomon. Anybody remember who Solomon was? You probably remember that Solomon was a king in the Bible. He was actually the son of King David. Solomon would become the king of Israel. But the unique thing about Solomon is Solomon would become the wealthiest man to ever live and the wisest. He's nicknamed the wisest man to ever live. And, and, and in fact, he was so wealthy that there were other nations that came to visit and adore his wealth. That's how much, like, he was, the, he was by far the wealthiest man to ever live in Bible times. And so not only was he wealthy, but he also had this, he's known for having this wisdom. And he writes most of the book of Proverbs. And he writes, not only does he write Proverbs, but then he also writes this little book in your Old Testament, a miserable little book by the name of Ecclesiastes. How many of you have ever been in your Bible reading before? Like your, I, I do the one-year Bible. And so when you get into the book of Ecclesiastes, it's like, oh, Lord, get me out of here. You know, like this is because it is. It's a miserable, depressing book. And so the wisest man alive writes one of the most depressing books in all of Scripture. And basically, in the book of Ecclesiastes, you watch this 12-chapter journey of a guy who literally, he tried everything. He tried all the food on the menu, everyone, like he, and nothing would fulfill him. Nothing satisfied him. And so I want to bring you through some of the things that he went through that he ends up telling us that doesn't satisfy because I think it can help us. And so I'm going to start in the first chapter of Ecclesiastes where he tries, Solomon first tries knowledge and education. He thinks that if he can be well-educated, he thought if he got the degrees, if he got his bachelor's, master's, doctor's, certificates, whatever... He thought if he could be well-educated, then that would satisfy him, then that would fulfill him. And look at what, what it says. He says, but Solomon says, for with much wisdom, though, comes much sorrow. <laughs> the more knowledge, the more grief. In fact, he says, of, of making many books, there is no end, and much study wearies the body. Come on, students, say amen. Much study wearies <laughs> the body. But what, he's, what, what, is, what is Solomon saying here? He's like, yeah, I've, I've become educated. I, I, now that I know more, I'm actually, I've actually lost my innocence. It's actually, it's actually hurt me. And then he says, okay, well, if education can't do it, then I'm going to go on and pursue a career, right? I need a career. Maybe I need a good job. Maybe I need a nice car, you know, right? I, this, is, this is what we do. I, I need to set some goals. I need to achieve some things. I need, I need to do, go on some great vacations. That'll fix it, right? Like, I'm, I want a career, and that's what Solomon does. He does the same thing. He said, I denied myself of nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all of my toil. He says, yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done, I've worked and worked and worked. I've done everything. And when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled and achieved, everything was meaningless. It was just a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. It was like a meal that didn't satisfy. And so then Solomon thinks, well, 
if the career isn't good enough, then maybe I need to work harder. Maybe I just need to become the CEO of the company. You know, like I'll be the, if, if I can't have a career, I'll just be the boss. I want to own it. And all of a sudden, Solomon becomes a workaholic. He gets to this place where he dreads Mondays. You know what I'm talking about? You're just like, I, I, I dread going back to work. He, he gets to the same place and he says this. This is strong language. I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless. It's just a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. Solomon realizes that all the work that he's done, he's like, I'm going to die one day and someone else is just going to enjoy everything that I worked hard to create. And so that fails him. And then he decides, he thought, oh man, okay, well now that I have this money, what if I invest? I'm going to invest. So he decides he's going to invest his money. I'm going to let my money make money, you know, like I'm going to, he, so he had the finest home. Uh, you know, some of y'all, that's what, you got the finest home, you got the finest lake house, you got the art on the wall. Like that's literally what Solomon does is he, he, he buys art. He puts art on the wall. And, and look at what happens here. He says, then he, he finds out that even money can't satisfy. He says, whoever loves money never has enough. <laughs> I mean, if you understand that, like you, <laughs> when you were a teenager, you're like, if I just had this amount, if I just got this, if I just got that, I would be satisfied. And how many of you know, like the answer to how much money is enough money is more, right? Uh, it's just, it's more wherever you are. And so that's what Solomon, he's like, I, I never have enough. And whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. It's meaningless. As goods increase, what happens? We, well, we have to insure it. We have to paint it. We have to protect it. We got to put a security camera on it. You know what I mean? Like, we, <laughs> as the more stuff I get, I got to, now, now I'm wrapped up in that. And so do those consume me? Or do those, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their own eyes on them? And now he's like, I just, <laughs> I got these beautiful pieces of art, and I'm just looking at it. <laughs> I just, I just see it every day. And yeah, it's pretty. Spent a thousand dollars on it, but it's just hanging on the wall just for me to see. You know, like that's what he's real. So, so it's not money that can't satisfy. And then he thought, well, it must be popularity. He's already king, but he's like, I'm gonna be the most popular king there is. And so he. He gets his servants. He's making sure that he has people around him all day. He's never alone. He ever, there's, there's, some, there's somebody there constantly to attend to his needs. And even though he's never alone, at the same time when there's, when there's all these people around him, he wasn't physically alone, yet he realizes he's still lonely. And it's, it's, it doesn't satisfy and so this next verse, he's actually, he speaks in the third person, but he's speaking about himself. And so he's talking about himself, and he says, There was a man all alone, yet neither son nor brother, and there was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. And so he goes on, and, and, and basically what happens in the scripture is he gets into wine, women, and song. Like, that's, that's what happens with him. And he's like, okay, let's just, let's just party. Like, Maybe that's, maybe that's the solution. In fact, 
to give you an idea of how much he partied, in 1 Kings it tells us that he had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. Think about that, 700 wives. I, I heard a story about a, a, a seminary professor who got asked by his students, he said, his students were like, how in the world, why in the world did Solomon have 700 wives? And he was expecting this big theological answer, and the, and the professor said, well, it was in hopes that when he woke up one morning that one of them would be in a good mood. And <laughs> that's bad. That's a bad joke. Just kidding, just kidding. That was another pastor that said that, okay? I did not, I just, I just brought it to you. So I would never, Emily's in a good mood every morning. Amen, yeah. I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> but I do want to skip. So he, so he finds out that, man, it's not about money. It's not about a career. It's, it's not about the 700 wives. Like, it's, it's not about any of that. And so I want to skip to the end of the chapter. And I want to skip to the end of the, end of the story here. And what I, what I really want to do is not only that, but I want to prophetically skip to the end of your chapter. I want to skip to the end of your life because I, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure when this is going to happen. What I'm about to give you, I'm not sure if this is going to happen in your life, when it's going to happen. It could happen today. But here's why I know as your pastor, it will happen at some point in your life. And that is, is that there will be an end to your search for something that satisfies. There will be an end. And, and you can decide today that this is the end. Or you can keep trying all these other things. But let me just show you where Solomon ended up. Solomon says that the last and the final word is this. Fear God. Fear God. Now, when I say fear God, that doesn't mean the same thing it meant in Solomon's culture. Because when I say fear God, we automatically, we think of fear as being afraid. We're supposed to, we're supposed to tremble at the sight of, sight of God. That's, that's not what Solomon is saying here. Solomon is actually, he, he's, he's actually telling us, well, can I, let me just pause here for just a minute. Because I, I really want to explain this fear God thing. Listen, there's a lot of us who have been a part of a church, who have been a part of, 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 of faith. And we think, for whatever reason... We've grown up in a culture that has just said that God's constantly mad at you. That he, of course he hates your sin, but we think that he's mad at us. And can I just free you for just a moment? You need to understand that the wrath of God has been fully satisfied by the blood of Jesus. And so you just need to understand that God's not mad at you. Like, he's taking care of that. And so you need to understand that the word fear here. It doesn't mean to be afraid of. It means to revere. It means to honor. It means to love, to worship. And when you, Solomon says, when I get to this place where I love God, when I'm in relationship with him, he says that when you get there, now you do, you, the last and final word is to love him, to worship him, and then just do what he tells you to do. Just do what he says. And, and, he, and then he, and, and, and he ends with, that's it. Like, <laughs> and so my, my appeal to you as your pastor is, would you love God? And then just trust his word and do what his word says. In fact, he says, that's it. And it goes, it goes on to say, 
eventually God will bring everything that we do out into the open, and he'll judge it according to, to its hidden intent, whether it's good or evil. And so one day, there, you're going to stand at the crossroads of your life, and God's going to know whether you, were, you just did what it said. And basically what Solomon is saying here is he's saying, hey, if you're still searching and you haven't found what you're looking for, that you have an opportunity. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to phrase it to you today like this, church, that today you have an opportunity to fear God, to honor him, to love him, to worship him, to get close in relationship with him, and then to live the life that he has always intended for you. And when you do, can I promise you, you'll find out that it's the right way to live. And you, you can either find, out, find that out today or some of us, we find out when it's too late. And so I just, I want this for you. And I'm just, I'm just wondering, and so, so, so when I was preparing this message, I'm just like, so what would it actually look like if we had a church that hungered and thirsts after righteousness? I want to be, I want to be a hungry church. I want to be a thirsty church that is after righteousness, that we're at the refrigerator door of life, right? And we're, we're looking for something that fully satisfies. And Jesus has something that he, he has to offer that if we would just take it, it would be the best meal we ever ate. And it would be the only thing that we'd ever need. It's the only thing that truly satisfies. And you know what that is? Jesus said that what, what it is, it's righteousness. It's righteousness. And so Proverbs 21, verse 21 says, whoever pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. And so if that's what righteousness has for us, then why don't we do it? What keeps us from following everything that God has for us? And that's, by the way, that's the question that I'm constantly asking as your pastor. I'm constantly asking God on your behalf. I'm just saying, Lord, give me creative ways not to grow the church, but to grow your people. So <laughs> every Sunday, I'm just trying to give you a different message, not to grow a church, but to grow people. And so I, I say a lot of the same things just in a different way. Like, Lord, can you give me a new inspiring way to say it to them where they can just get it, where they can just have, like, I want them to hunger and thirst after righteousness. And listen, it's, it's a deep desire for me because as your pastor, I know what God has for you. Like, I know that it's the most frustrating part in my life is trying to give you everything that God has for you. Because God has something that if you would just take it, it would fully satisfy. And the problem is, is that so many people still won't take it. Instead, you know what we do? And I think it's especially popular in our culture today. What we do today is we just take a piece of God. We think if we take a little piece, that that can be enough. And can I tell you, this is especially true, not just with the heathens outside the church today. This is especially, and they're not heathens. By the way, I'm just, I just, this is especially true in places where God is readily available like the church today. There's a lot of church people who will only take a piece of God, only take enough of them. And so, like, so if you grew up in church, here's what happens. You grow up in church, you get used to church. You know what to expect. You know what's going to happen, right? Like, like, you know, we're going to sing three songs today. You know, like, like, I, I, like I already, I, I know, I know what's going to happen. Like, and, and, and there's something about getting used to that. Like, like when I talk to people, it's, it's, it's intimidating getting up here today and preaching to you because there's many of you in the room 
that when I talked to you about a story, when I, when I told you, when I said, how many of you know about Solomon, some of you all were already like, oh, yeah, I know everything about Solomon. He was king. He was this. He was that. You know, like, you probably, you, honestly, you probably even know more than me, you know, about, about Solomon. Many of you might, might actually do that. But it's easy for when I'm up here, like, I can mention a passage, and I can say, like, well, in John 11, and you're already like, well, that's Lazarus, and I know Lazarus was dead, but then Jesus raised him back to life, and been there, done that, got the t-shirt. You know, like, I heard, I've heard that sermon before. <laughs> you have no idea. Like, <laughs> honestly, like, there are people who will say, you can't tell me anything, you can't tell me anything new. You can't tell me anything that I haven't heard before. In fact, I, I, I preached a chapel one time, these Christian school kids, who the guy said before I went up to teach them, he said, oh, by the way, there's probably nothing that you can say that they haven't already heard before. So don't try to impress them. And so you know exactly what that chapel was like? <laughs> it was exactly like that. I mean, it was, it was, I brought the best word like ever and nobody wanted it. Nobody wanted it. They'd heard it before. I put a, I put a meal on a platter and no one wanted to eat it. Why? Because they had created some scenarios in their mind that kept them from having the appetite and the hunger. They, the, 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 they, they, they kept the hunger from God instead of to God. Like they, they thought they already knew it. And I just, wanted, I, I just want us to, this is, this is ever present in my mind as I, uh, the, our church is going to be just, I, just five years old, okay? And, and, and all, in October, we're going to be five years old. And even though we're only going to be five years old, we've already got some traditions set. We've got some things that we do. There's some of us who's like, I've already heard that message before. I already, and I'm just, I want to remind us that we should always, it shouldn't be been there, done that, got the t-shirt. It should be, I'm hungry for something new. Like I'm, I'm coming to church today because I'm, I'm, I'm looking for that little piece of gold. Like I just, I, I want us to be hungry. And so I want to, I was thinking about this this week and how I'm just going to close my message today is I'm going to give you two things that keep us from being hungry. And then there's two things that I think that if, we would, if we'd flip them, that we can actually pursue righteousness. And I'm actually going to end by teaching you the word righteousness. It's beautiful. But two things that keep us from being hungry. You ready for it? This is where you note-takers finally get into some things that you can write down. So uh, <laughs> here we go. Number one is we fill up on the wrong things. We fill up on the wrong things. The reason we're not hungry is because we already ate. Like, and even though there's a great meal there that God has something laid out and prepared for us, you've already ate. You, you, and, you've, and you've ate something that does not satisfy. So I'll give you an example. It's kind of like, you ever, you ever drive home from work and like you're not sure? Like, I, I, I drive home sometimes from school not sure if mom made dinner yet. You know, and so it's like, well, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of hungry. And so... You don't, know if, you don't know if mama cooked anything, and so you thought, okay, well, while I'm filling up with gas, I'm just going to go in the, in the convenience mart, right? And I'm just going to eat what the wonderful food that they have, you know, for me in there, right? And so you grab a bag of chips and Slim Jims. Those Slim Jims, they're like the greasy things that, like, clog your arteries, you know? Like, like you, just, you just know it. Like, is this even real meat? You know, like, you're trying to figure that out. Reese's Cup. You know, by the way, I hate peanut butter. But the one thing that I'll eat with peanut butter in it is a Reese's cup. There's something anointed about it's like <laughs> one of the five major food groups. Reese's cup falls in there, and then you can't leave without like one of those 
super big gulp sodas. You know what I mean? Like, and it just seems like they just get bigger, and they're, they're just bigger and cheaper, you know. And, and you can't just get the small one because it's about the same price. So, you know, you got to get your values for it. You get, get your big soda, and so you load it up. You're, you're eating on the way home, and, you know, you got Cheez-Its all on your clothes and, you know, Reese's Cup all over your face. You know, you know like, you're on your way home, and, and then, but you get home, you pull up, and Mama cooked. And it smells good. You know what I mean? Like, like it, it's your favorite meal. It's that type, of, that type of meal. And the problem is, you've already ate. <laughs> and there's a perfectly good, nutritious meal that's right in front of you. But the problem is, you've already filled up. And that's why mom used to say, well, well don't eat anything. Dinner's almost ready, right? And, and, and it's like, it's almost like at the restaurant where they go, you, you go to the restaurant and like they bring the bread out. You know what I'm talking about? Like, they're just filling you up already. And, like, it's hot and it's, it's, you know, and just you lather it up with butter. And, you know, by, the, like, the third slice or whatever, the third roll you're going for, it's like, this is not going to be good. But uh, <laughs> you just keep, like, think about it. That's, that's our life. And there are some things that we've filled up on. Like, I know I got a steak on the way, but this roll is pretty, you know, like, we're, 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 we're filling up on things that have not really filled us up, that don't satisfy and, and if you were, and I just want to ask you this question today, that if you were Solomon, because that's what Solomon did, he filled up on things that did not satisfy. If you were Solomon, and you had the chance to write your own book of Ecclesiastes, what would yours look like? What would be the things that you tried to fill up on that didn't satisfy you? Here's what I know. I know that sin tastes good, but it never satisfies. And so we've had some things that have been really tasty, but they've never satisfied. Hebrews chapter 11, Hall of Fame of Faith, it says this, Moses chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. It tastes good, but it don't satisfy. I want you to lean in for a moment and also consider this from Isaiah chapter 55 that says, The Lord says, All you who are thirsty, come and drink. Those of you who do not have money, come and buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend your money on something that is not real food? Why work for something that doesn't really satisfy you? Listen closely to me, and you will eat what is good, and your soul will enjoy the rich food that it desires. I want to offer you that rich food that the soul, that you can truly desire. I just want to offer you that thought today, that it's time to eat a different meal. And maybe, you're, maybe, maybe, maybe you say, Pastor Noah, okay, I've, I'm not filling up on the wrong things. I feel like I'm trying to eat a nutritious meal. I'm at church today, right? I'm checking that, like, like this, is, this is it. I, I'm trying to eat a good meal. And so maybe it's not that you're filling up on the wrong things. Maybe you're making... You're, some of us are just literally making a choice just to not do what God is offering. And I thought about that, and I thought, why would, why would someone sit in church and look at something that I know like, has so much for you? Like, I know that if you would just follow God, that it would just change your life, but you still don't want it. Why would somebody sit in church and do that? And I think it's because, honestly, some of us have just never experienced how good God is. We've never experienced the goodness of God. 
And I don't know if you've ever had, um, I don't know if you've ever had someone offer you a food item and then and go like, oh man, no thanks. Like, hi, I'm good. I, I don't want that. I, I, I'll tell you this. I am not a picky eater. Like, I'll, I'll eat and try anything. But when I met my wife, my wife was like the most picky eater I felt like on the entire planet. You know, and like, like she hated everything. And, but now the Lord has saved her everyone. And, you know, like <laughs> she's expanded her food group. Like when she just says, I don't like seafood. Like that's a whole category of food. Like you can't just not like seafood. Like you at least like shrimp. And I will challenge anyone at that. I will challenge you at that. And so I, <laughs> I'm telling you, like, like you just can't, can't just, no, okay, so I got I to gotta move. Here's the problem. So I told her, I, I told her at one point, I said, you know, and this was, you know, we, we got to know each other, you know, serious relationships. So, you know, of course, don't say this up front, but, I, you know, I waited. You know, I said, but then I finally told her, I said, listen, I'm not taking you out on a nice date for you to order chicken strips. That is not happening. I will not do this. And so she came around, but the hardest thing for her to come around to was sushi. Oh, yeah, I know all you people. I, I knew that's what I was going to get. And that's what, that's what she did. She was like, well, but Noah, the outside is seaweed, like weeds from the sea. You know, like, it's, and they hide it with rice. And she liked rice, but she's like, and they try to hide it with some rice. And then they put raw cucumber and raw avocado and raw fish. And, she, and, like, and she's like, I don't want to eat dead minnows. You know, like, I'm just. And then she's like, and then you dip it in, like, the saltiest sauce that crosses your eyeballs. You know, like, that, that's what. And then the green. And then she didn't understand the green stuff. <laughs> Wasabi. You know, like. Uh, <laughs> she's like, you just smell that thing. And it clear, cleans out, like, your sinuses for, like, a week. You know, like. But then I told her, listen. So then. Then I told her we, one day, I said, okay, but Emily, they have cooked sushi. And she tried it. And guess what, everyone? The Lord has saved her and redeemed her, <laughs> freed her. And now we have cooked sushi everywhere we go, everybody. And so, like, I can, I can compromise, you know. And she even is branching out to, like, other sushis. And so, but... But you know, like, I knew this was good, you know, like, and I, and, and, and I will challenge you sushi people to meet me for lunch for sushi, and I will, let's, let's show you some good sushi, all right? And so we'll try it. And so, but I, that's what I did with her. And so, like, I knew that it was so good for her, and she just didn't, she never experienced the goodness, right? And, and, and now, now, like I said, we have it everywhere. And so, so some of you have rejected God just based on some ideas of some things, and you say, well, Pastor Noah, I know God commands us to be baptized. I know he wants us to be baptized. And I, I was baptized as a kid, and I know it wasn't very meaningful, and I don't really remember it, and I just don't think I should have to. I don't, I don't think I need to be baptized. I just don't think. Some of you never, ever took that step to be baptized. And it's just, and I'm just over here going, listen, no, you have no idea that even when you follow God in the simplest of things, what can happen? That when you follow him, all of a sudden the Lord, when you just do what he commands you, there's something that just satisfies 
And that's why even today, like in, when we talk about small groups, some of you are intimidated to jump into a group, and I don't know whether I should jump into a group or meet new people, or I don't need to have accountability in my life. I can do my life all by myself. And listen, the Bible says things totally against that. The Bible says that you need someone in your life. You need someone to lift you up. You need like-minded friends. And so when I just say, why don't you try it? Why don't you just give it a shot? Like, you have no idea how much it could truly satisfy and not only that, but it's, it's like you have, you have no idea when I challenge, sometimes I challenge some of you guys, like, let's lead this. Let's, you have no idea what would happen when you step up and when you lead something and when you decide, you know what, God, I'm going to let you use me in this area that you've called, you've gifted me here. Yeah, but you're like, oh, no, I'm all right, Pastor Noah, just Sundays, I'm just okay just being here on Sunday mornings. Listen, you have no idea what God could do in your life and how much it would satisfy you if you would just follow him, understand what you're gifted at, know. What, what, what the Lord has given you, know the purpose that he's given you, and then use that purpose to make an eternal difference, you have no idea how much it could truly satisfy you. You don't know the goodness of God. And the Bible comes along and says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Just taste and see. And some of you, you've rejected the things of God. Maybe you've rejected it because of the way that someone else has served it to you. You've, you, 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 you've just, somebody just didn't know how to prepare it. And I will acknowledge that because there's churches out there that will abuse and mistreat you and you'll leave and you'll say, I hate church. And can I just say, well, I guess you probably do because a lot of the things that come with religion and church that we know it, I, I hate them too, everyone. And, but I just want to say, don't let the way that someone else presented that plate to you, don't let the way that they prepared that food, don't let that prevent you from all that God has for you. And so, so many people have taken a step towards something, and then they've backed away just at the thought of it. Like, I want to lead, I want to jump into a group, but then I don't know who's all going to be there, right? And so we, we back away because of the thought of it, but can I tell you, you'll never know You'll never know that cooked sushi is actually good until you try it. You know, like, <laughs> that's it. And that was Paul. Look at what Paul says. He says, I pray that you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how wide, and how deep the love of Christ is. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And I'm telling you, there's nothing more frustrating than being in the position that I'm in, that knowing that there's something out there that could change your life and you're not following after God in that way. And I'll say, I've said this probably a thousand times to our church. I'll say it a thousand more times. And my, my invite to you is just, would you just consider going all in? Go all in with God. And I think one of the best ways to do it, and I tell people this all the time, is would you give us a year of your life at this church? And whatever we do, would you just do it? So if we pray, would you pray? If we fast, would you fast? If we tithe, would you tithe? If you're, if you're a part of a, if, we, if we're having small groups, we're in small group season, jump in a small group. Go all in and see. Now, I actually told people before that if God doesn't change your life in some way, I'll find another church with you in the next year. You know, like, that's, that's what we'll do. But would you just try it? Go all in and see because God is good and he has something great for you. And so I think that's why we don't. But can I teach you two quick ways why we can? Two ways that... that that, that I think we can experience his goodness. And to do that, I told you I'm going to teach you the word righteousness. Jesus says that if you would hunger and thirst 
after righteousness, you will be filled. So what is righteousness? Well, righteousness is two different things. These are the last two points on your note-taking sheet. It's this. It's right standing with God. Righteousness is right standing with God. So what does that mean? Well, it means to be made right. It means to have a right relationship with God. Romans chapter 1, verse 17 says, The good news shows how good, uh, how good God makes people right with himself. And it goes on to say that we are made right with God when we believe that Jesus shed his blood, sacrificing his life for us. And so some of you, you're going to have that chance today at the end of the service to be made right with God. And can I tell you, we give this invitation every week for you to be made right with God. And it's not an invitation to join a church. <laughs> when you pray that prayer, it's not. I'm, I'm praying it on behalf of City Hope Church to come be made right with God. That's not what it is. It's actually an invitation for you and your heart to feel right, to be satisfied. That even though you've done some wrong things in your life, even though you've done some things that have you've messed up, that have been crazy sinful Jesus says that he paid for it for you on the cross and he invites you to leave today and have a clean conscience about it and be satisfied to be made right with him Romans chapter 5 tells us he says since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ he will certainly save us from God's condemnation for since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now, because we've been saved through the death of Jesus, we can rejoice in our wonderful, new, highlight that word, relationship with God, because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. You need to understand today that you are a friend of God. You're not his enemy. He's not mad at you. You're not, not just supposed to fear like fear him. No, he wants to be in relationship with you. And some of you, if you want to know how to be made right, it's not joining a church. It's not being a part of any type of religion. It's a relationship with God. And what can happen is, is that you can literally become a friend of God. It's a relationship change. And until you've experienced that, I don't think you've ever experienced Christianity until you've experienced a relationship with God. That when you pray, when you're not just talking to some deity, like you're in the presence of your best friend. You're talk people say, <laughs> Pastor No, I don't know how to pray. Well just just talk to God like he's your best friend. Because he is. I just say it like this, that we are made right with God by coming into relationship with him. And so if you want to pursue righteousness, the first step is to get into a relationship. But it's not just right standing with God. Righteousness is also, it's two parts. It's also right living with God on earth. And this one's important. This is one that we don't really talk about a lot. You know, because some of us say, well, well, I, I prayed that prayer and I'm still not satisfied. Well, you know, yeah, that's true because you're not living, you're living your life in your way. You're not living your life in the way that God intended for you. 
In fact, I, I talked to a young person last week that just talked about, well, I'm just, I'm living my truth. Living my truth. And I was just like, yeah, and how's that working out for you? You know, like, I'm living my truth. We got in a conversation and just said, wow, are you trying to change me? You just, you just want to change me, don't you? And I was like, yeah, absolutely, yes, I do. Just like I'm changing, just like I'm asking God to change me, just like I'm asking God to change my whole congregation, yes, I'm asking, like, I am asking for change. And I just am like, go try it. Try the change for a little bit. And, and listen, you can go try your way. I'll leave the light on. Like, I, I will still be here because you'll be back. You go your own way. You leave the Father. You live how you want to live. And guess what? It, you'll always end up in a pig pen. It's the story of the prodigal son. Yeah, always. I guarantee it. But here's what I do know is that a lot of us one day will come back to our senses. And God willing, before it's too late, we'll come back to our senses and we'll say, you know what? I'm not going to live the life that I just wanted to live. I'm not just going to live based on my own desires, but I'm going to do it his way. And Proverbs chapter 14 says, there is a right way. There is a way that appears to be right. And it's the way that many of us have probably tried. We thought this was supposed to satisfy, but in the end, it leads to death. And I'm not talking about physical death today. God forbid that that happens. But I will say that there will be death like You'll experience death in your emotions. You'll experience death in your dreams. You'll experience death to everything that matters to you. And so what are you supposed to do? Would you just come back? Would you just do it his way? What do we do? Well, I'll say it like this, that we have right living on earth by pursuing the lifestyle that God intends. And what is that lifestyle? It's the lifestyle that is defined in his word. It's his word. That even as culture shifts, and even as everything is moving away from the authority of God, can I tell you, we are not. This church is not. We're not going to move. We're pursuing a relationship with God, and we're living according to what he says, to what his word says. That is righteousness. That's righteousness. We are made right with him, and then we follow his word. That's righteousness. Proverbs chapter 12 says... In the way of righteousness, there is life. And then along that path is immortality. You know what that is? It's life. You know what the word life means? It just means fullness. So in the way of righteousness, there is fullness. It's the meal that would truly satisfy. And then not that, not only will it satisfy you here on earth, but it says that now it's going to satisfy you forever in heaven. Like that's the joy that we look forward to. And so I want to close and I'll, I'll close with a story for you. I, sometimes I like to close with a personal story, but I wanted to actually close with a, with a Bible story that you probably have already been thinking about when we talk about this topic, many of you. But there is, uh, there is a story that lines up exactly with what we're talking about, and that's the story of the woman at the well. And if you don't know that story, there was this time in Jesus' life while he was here on this earth that um, the disciples went and they, they bought food and they actually left Jesus alone. It's very rare that Jesus was left alone. He was always around his disciples. And so this one time, and one, one of the rare occasions that he's left alone, he's left alone, he goes to this well, and Jesus was thirsty. 
and there was this woman there already drawing water. It was a, the Bible indicates that not only was it a woman, but it was a Samaritan woman. And if you know anything about that day, it's that Jews and Samaritans were definitely not on the same page. They weren't even allowed to talk to each other or associate with each other. Jesus walks up to this Samaritan woman and he says, hey, could you draw me a drink from this well? And this woman's shocked because Jews don't speak to Samaritans. And not only that, but in their culture, men don't really talk to women, you know? So like, this lady is shocked. And Jesus, being the great God that he is, he breaks through all gender and racial barriers. (laughs) And he speaks to this woman and she knows that this is odd. And Jesus goes, woman, can I have a drink? And then they have this conversation But then he says, woman, I can give you water where you will never thirst again. And this lady goes, what? That can't be. But then she's like, I want it. I want it. So he says, okay, great. Go get your husband. And she says, well, I don't have a husband. And Jesus looks at her and he says, yeah, that's right. You've had five husbands. And the man that you're living with now is not your husband. And all of a sudden her mind is... Her mind is blown. By the way, that was her book of Ecclesiastes. That's what she had tried. (laughs) Man after man (laughs) after man. She tried it five times. And now Jesus, Jesus knows that. She knows that Jesus knows that. And now Jesus has her attention. And she wants the living water. And she says, well, I know one day there's this Messiah that's going to come that we've, we've been waiting on him forever. It's kind of coming slow. You know, like I, I, we're, we're, we've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And she says that, I, I just don't know if he'll ever get here. And Jesus says this. I want to bring you this scripture in John chapter 4. He says, hey, woman, you don't have to wait any longer or look any farther. And my altar call to you today is this, is that, you don't have to wait any longer or look any farther. That if, if you've been living your life your way, you know it's been uncomfortable and it's been miserable. I'm telling you, this message is for you. And if you've been looking in a place, in other places that don't satisfy, just come back. Just come back to Jesus. And he is the, has the living water that can completely satisfy So don't wait any longer. Don't look any farther. Just come back to him. And so, Father, today, Lord, we love you. And God, I just just ask that right now in this room that you would just touch hearts right now. That you would help those who are far from you, who who have gone on their own path, Lord, help them to come back. Lord, I pray that they haven't ended their life in a pig pen. Lord, before they get to that point, Lord, I pray that you would just draw them back to you. But Lord, I even recognize that maybe there's people in this room today that they feel like that's where their life is. Their life, they feel like their life is destroyed. They feel like they don't know where to go from here. Lord, give them hope today. Help them to know that the Father is right there waiting on them to come home, anxiously awaiting. So Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, I thank you that our church will pursue after righteousness, that we, will, that we will be a church that not only knows you in relationship 
we, we know you as having a relationship with you, but Lord, we'll also follow at you and, and stand firm on your word and what your word says. And so Lord, we evaluate our lives today. We evaluate our hearts today. And Father, I just ask that anything that is in our lives that does not line up according to your word, Lord, help us to change that. Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, help us to make a change so that we can live in that righteousness. So ultimately, Lord, that we can be truly filled. Because Lord, I know that what's, what's the commonality between all of us in this room today is the fact that we just want to be satisfied. We just want to be filled. And so, Lord, I pray that you would, as we pursue after righteousness, that you would fully satisfy our heart. That we wouldn't, we wouldn't run and we, just, we wouldn't eat the junk at the convenience store. But, Lord, we would feast on your word and what you have for us. We love you, Lord. We thank you for it today. In Jesus' name. With your heads bowed, eyes closed, if you're in this room and you say, Pastor Noah, today's the day I need to be made right with God. I want to be in right relationship with him. Maybe you've never experienced something like that today. Can I tell you, God doesn't want you. (laughs) This is not joining a church. This is not signing a card. God just wants to have a right relationship with you. This is your opportunity, your moment right now between you and God to make that right. And so if that's you, what we do every single week is we just, we pray a prayer together. But what this prayer does is it just gives all of us an opportunity to be made right with God by just saying we surrender our life, we're asking for forgiveness, and we're asking him to come into our lives. And the Bible says that when you, when you make Jesus your Lord, I, I, that, that, that I, listen, the angels are, will rejoice in heaven at this decision. And so if that's you today, I want to lead you in that prayer. And our whole church believes it. So we're all going to pray this together. But repeat after me. Say this and believe it. Say this. Say, dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on a cross for me. But I believe that you raised him from the dead. Say this. Say, Jesus, I make you my Lord. I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. And thank you for giving me the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Everybody said, come on, would you rejoice with the angels in heaven for all those who made that decision today?